Listener supported. WNYC Studios. From WNYC Studios, I'm Brian Lehrer. This is my Daily Politics Podcast. It's Monday, January 29th. We start the week in South Carolina, where the Haley versus Trump Republican primary battle just got real now that Haley is actually going after Trump more aggressively than before. But wait, that election day isn't until February 24th. This Saturday, South Carolina will be the Democrats' first in the nation primary, with President Biden hoping to rack up a big win against almost no competition to show he's still got turnout power. But wait, again, Biden has a primary? Did you even know that? Can you even name one person running against him? We can and we will, and we will play a clip of the one main person. And with us now is Associated Press national politics reporter Meg Kennard, who lives in and is based in South Carolina. Her main scene-setter article over the weekend was headlined, Biden Returns to South Carolina to Show His Determination to Win Back Black Voters in 2024. Now, the majority of the Democratic primary electorate in South Carolina is black voters. So here's an example of how Biden is campaigning to them. This is from a Biden campaign event in the state on Saturday night. He has just cited the $300 a month checks program that the government had for families with children during the height of the pandemic. And here's what it did. It helped cut black poverty in half for black children in America. Because no child in America could ever go hunger, ever. When Trump pushed black small business to the back of the line in the pandemic funding, I moved to the front of the line. And today, black small businesses are starting up at the fastest rate in 30 years. President Biden at a Democratic Party dinner Saturday night. The AP's Meg Kennard is with us now. Meg, I realize this is your very busy season, so thanks for giving us some time today. Welcome to WNYC. Absolutely, Brian. It's good to be with you. Thanks so much for having me. Your article's angle that the president is determined to win back black voters who are less enthused than they were in 2020. How are some ways that you're seeing that loss of enthusiasm in South Carolina and over what issues? Frankly, it's really from the conversations that I have since that is where I live and where I've been doing this job for the AP for almost 20 years now. And when I have these conversations with people, some of whom I've known for a long time, they're just kind of at a loss, some of them. You know, let's be honest, this is anecdotal in large part, but there are some folks who are looking back t- to the 2020 primary where South Carolina came through for Joe Biden and kind of resuscitated his campaign after Iowa and New Hampshire where he had not performed very well. And he got a big win. And he has mentioned that. He mentioned it on Saturday night and expressed thanks to the state's Democratic voters. But in some ways, what folks are telling me, you know, we don't really see him He's not been here. And part of that is because he's president. And so we don't see the president going to a lot of these campaign places as much as he did when he was a private citizen running in 2020. Mm -hmm. But there's just not really a, a sense from what some people are telling me, you know, reflected in 
progress in, in different areas that the president talks about that he's been working on, some people just don't feel like it's fast enough. And he was trying to hit on some of those points on Saturday night in terms of insulin cap prices and student loan forgiveness and these all are of things, those things. These are he, things he did do. Right. He campaigned hard on them. And so this was a, a big list of reminders he was ticking off to say to those people, you don't think that I've performed? Here are some specific things that I have done for you. Just as a reminder, please support me. Please give me a big win here this year. Do you see any enthusiasm for Trump? I mean, one or two polls, yeah, but they're outliers so far, we should definitely say. See a small but growing number of black voters considering Trump over Biden, mostly for economic reasons. Uh, And you were just giving me an example of how Biden's trying to counteract that kind of perception. Uh, This is, of course, assuming that they are both the nominees, but despite their feelings about Trump and racism, and I realize it's anecdotal, you're not conducting surveys, but actually the AP is conducting some some polls. Do you see it in South Carolina? That support, that crossover support in the black community for Trump, I have heard anecdotal evidence of it. I don't think that's something that we can really say at this point is necessarily going to be a, a huge crossover in South Carolina, particularly. But I have heard when I'm out in the community and having conversations, and there is a level of frustration. I was in a conversation with a man a couple of months ago who is a, a black man who votes in South Carolina, and he specifically pointed out to me he didn't feel like Joe Biden had delivered in the ways that he felt he should have. And there is polling on this. There is, there's questions as to whether this will be enough to really produce much of a, a visible shift for Donald Trump among black voters. But we have heard from the former president himself, this is a place where he really wants to improve on his numbers from 2016 and 2020. And so we'll see if, if that can bear out if he is the nominee and if he and Joe Biden are doing that November general election face off. Right. And yet the former president keeps doing things that are read by many as articulations of racism. Uh, so, of course, only time will tell how that plays out, even assuming he's the nominee. Uh, another thing about Biden and ambivalence about him, the New York Times had an article over the weekend called Black Pastors Pressure Biden to Call for a Ceasefire in Gaza. And I'm going to play an example of one of those pastors who was a guest on NPR's Morning Edition today. Uh, This is Bishop Leah Daughtry, who is the presiding prelate of the House of the Lord Churches, and she's very prominent in the Democratic leadership. She was the CEO of the 2016 and 2008 Democratic National Convention Committees. Here she is on NPR's Morning Edition. We believe that we have to be on the side of the oppressed as God is. And when you see the disparate living circumstances and how they are being disproportionately impacted by this, what, 26,000, mostly women and children, we believe that our responsibility is to speak for them and to identify with them in the circumstances that they find themselves in at this moment. We believe that's where God would be. And I'm curious, Meg, if you're hearing that as a salient issue in South Carolina, or if it's way backseat to domestic concerns like voting rights and the economy uh, for black voters, which is the angle of that Times article and NPR piece. 
I don't hear that as much in South Carolina and in the other states where I travel and report in terms of issues that are at top of mind for people. Number one is almost always the economy and those kitchen table sorts of concerns that affect everybody. But the issue of the ongoing war, the Israeli-Hamas war, and the protesters that have continued to pop up at pretty much all of President Biden's events, including here in South Carolina, there were several people who interrupted his speech on Saturday night. Those are circumstances that, okay, people protest, they have voices, they have concerns, they should have a, a right to express them, but it is something that continues to follow him around. And if some of those same frustrations and the issues that you just noted do emerge in a way that seems like they're going to be playing a bigger role in the Democratic primary, that will be a place where President Biden and his team really do have to do some thinking about how to handle not just the protesters, but overall grasp of the issue as it's playing out. Biden's opponent or the Democrat seem to be the main opponent, if there is even a main opponent in South Carolina, is Democratic Congressman Dean Phillips of Minnesota. He also spoke at the dinner on Saturday night. You reported the crowd wasn't paying much attention and he had to speak over them. Uh, in fact, Meg, I wanted to play a soundbite of him from the, from the Saturday night speech in this segment, but couldn't even find one online. So here's one from primary night in New Hampshire last week after Phillips came in a distant second to Biden, who wasn't even on the ballot. This is, not a, this is not a campaign about me. This is a campaign about all of you and all the people we're about to meet all around this big country that are looking for somebody to get excited about and to energize us and bring hope and bring love and bring joy and bring some energy. Woo! So to you as a reporter in South Carolina, I realize you're not going around the country following Dean Phillips, but here's this primary now, and Biden wants to rack up a lot of votes against this guy, and he's there. Uh, Congressman Phillips, do you have a sense of him and why he's primarying Biden or how he's making that case in the state? I have spent time with Congressman Phillips. I sat down with him during one of his previous trips to the state and I spoke to him again on Saturday. And for him, it's a lot of the same kind of argument in a different way that we hear from Nikki Haley in her Republican challenge of Donald Trump. It's an argument for a new generation and an opportunity for someone younger to lead the party. And Dean Phillips prefaces his remarks always in a respectful way about Joe Biden, somebody who has served the country well, in his opinion, but it's time for someone else to have a chance. And you're right. There was a lot of talking over Congressman Phillips when he got started. He managed to, with a bit of humor and self-deprecation, kind of get the crowd's attention and give his remarks and ultimately receive some applause and a fairly positive reception. But in that room, that room of several hundred where he was speaking, there was a lot of support for Joe Biden. And he knew that going into it. He brought with him Andrew Yang, who also ran for the Democratic presidential nomination in 2020, who campaigned a lot in South Carolina. And he was there advocating for Phillips, talking to reporters and meeting with people as well. So 
it, it's bit it's a bit of a, a generational argument and it's tough when you have an incumbent and you're the one challenging them and you're coming into a state that has supported this particular candidate in massive numbers in the most recent election cycle. Yeah. But Dean Phillips continues to make his argument and at least he was able to get the crowd to quiet down so he could <laughs> be heard by them. I guess that's a start, but it's a very modest start. Do you is age his only issue? Because I get a sense from reading about Dean Phillips' record in Congress that he's relatively a moderate. It's not like uh, Biden is getting a progressive challenger from the left, the Bernie Sanders camp, or call it what you will, which would be an interesting ideological um, conversation at this point with Gaza and other issues. But that's that's not what Dean Phillips is all about. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is it almost all on Biden's age? In large part, it does seem to be. You're right that ideologically, a lot of their where they line up on issues is not super different. And Dean Phillips also talks about his his background and kind of you know being a working class and working his way up in the world. And that's a lot of the same messaging that we hear from Joe Biden right. as part of his origin story. So, what would be considered victory for Biden in South Carolina on Saturday? since there's probably no doubt he will handily beat Dean Phillips. So what would be a win? What would be a cause for concern? His team isn't talking specific numbers, which makes sense, but they are definitely looking for President Biden to have the same kind of thundering win that he did in 2020. Granted, there were a lot more people in that contest in 2020, and ones who had been campaigning very hard in South Carolina, and that's different this time, plus he's an incumbent. But here, they want the kind of big numbers that will not only mark a victory in the leadoff state, but also potentially serve as a signal to black voters, particularly in those states that follow, that Joe Biden is yet again their candidate and advocating for them. And in terms of a general election, if he has marked these big numbers in the first couple of primaries, then that could show that despite all the criticism, despite any concern about his age or what have you, that he is still the guy who can mark a win against possibly Donald Trump in another general election matchup. So they want it to be a big win, a significant win, and they are already looking much further down the pike than South Carolina, albeit this is the place where it all gets started. Do you have another article saying... Biden pledged in South Carolina to shut down the border right away. I think that's an exact quote. Shut down the border right away. If the compromise immigration bill the Senate is working on goes through, is it clear what he means by shut down the border right away? And, and does he need that bill to do that? He claims he does need that bill to do that. Now, that is in opposition to what House Speaker Mike Johnson has said in terms of, no, you don't need this. U.S. president could actually choose to do this on your own. But in South Carolina on Saturday, the president was offering these assurances to anyone who is concerned about border security, concerned about fentanyl, concerned about all of the issues along the southern border. He was saying, look, if only Congress will do its job and send me a bill that they have been working on that we have been helping in these negotiations with, if they will send it to me, I will sign it and we can take care of this right now. That was his quote. And that got a big reaction from the crowd where he was. And I think that was doing two things. One, for a sitting president to come out and have a very strong position on an issue that a lot of Americans say is 
one of their top of mind concerns, at least in some way, but also to show a room of his supporters and people whose support he definitely wants in the primary and the general election, that he is very much capable of the high level sorts of interactions with Congress and, and seeing an issue through to its end, kind of a you know, if you guys are worried that I'm not up to the job, yes, I absolutely am. And I'm working on it with Congress and this is what I'm willing to do. But that was, it was not necessarily somewhere that I saw that speech going, but it definitely got a, a lot of reaction from the people who in, in large part are Biden supporters in that room already. Let's take a phone call. Sharon in Queens, you're on WNYC. Hi, Sharon. Hi, I am, I am energized to get more young people to vote and looking at how a person with so many different charges on many different levels is even allowed to be on the ballot. If that he were a person of color, he would not be on the ballot. So, you know, I am energized. I am talking to a lot of my daughter's sorority sisters, the AKAs, the Deltas, as well as the young people that I know that we must not vote for, we're voting against, as we usually are. Against Donald Trump, presumably. That, yes. You know, when, you, when you're a person of color, sometimes you're going to the ballot saying, am I voting for someone or am I voting against someone? And a lot of times, it's a lesser of two evils. Biden has done a whole lot. And I, and I understand, but you know, they do not want Kamala Harris to be president. And that's what they're running on. A person of color, a woman cannot be president. What are you hearing, Sharon, from some of the young black New Yorkers who you say you're talking to in terms of their enthusiasm level? Are you having to respond to anything that they raise with a shrug? No, because they have student debt. They have student loan debt. They, they, we, they had to start paying back money and they have no jobs okay so you know they have the reality of living with their parents still because they cannot afford to live so no i don't have to tell them but mm -hmm. much they're still living in the same bedroom that they were living in when they were six years old so I, I, Sharon, I, big deal about that thank you very much yep and pointing to uh to that particular issue student debt as something that biden is arguing he did as much as he could on uh, without Congress standing in the way or the court standing in a way. Let's take another caller. Here's Kai in Prospect Lefferts Gardens in Brooklyn. Hi, Kai. You're on uh, WNYC. Hi, Brian. Um, yeah, I was calling in to, um, I'm a black voter, and I, in, um, I guess November, changed my party affiliation from Democrat to non-affiliated here in New York City. Um, in large part, um, in response to Joe Biden's uh, support of the genocide happening in Gaza, and um, and I'm somebody um, in response to the previous caller who Joe Biden forgave my student loans, mm -hmm. and I still will not be voting for Joe Biden because at some point in this country, we have to stop choosing between the lesser of two evils and stand um, with morals. And I want it to be on record that I will not be voting in support of a genocide. 
and of course people will argue about the word genocide, but would you Absolutely. say would you be saying the same thing if you were in a swing state, uh, or would you be too worried that Trump is so much worse that you don't have the luxury to sit it out? Well, my, my entire family lives in Ohio, actually, southern Ohio, uh, north of Cincinnati. And I'm telling them the same. Don't vote Joe Biden. I'm not saying vote for Trump. Um, but I really think is that at the end of the day, if you are a, um, a person who believes in God, if you're a person who stands by your moral convictions, you cannot um, put your name down in support of the apartheid and genocide that's happening. Um, and regardless, if you want to, you know, play, um, you know, semantics and word games, what's happening there is not right under any definition. Kai, thank you for chiming in. Here's a voter in South Carolina, Clarissa. You're on WNYC. Hi, Clarissa. Where in South Carolina are you? Hey, uh, Brian, good morning. I am in the capital, Columbia, um, and right. I'm so happy to be speaking with you. I lived in New York for seven years, and I listen to your show every morning. Um, <laughs> I am a 35-year-old uh, black woman, and I have every intention of voting, uh, for voting for President Biden. Uh, everyone in my family, um, in my circles, we are all no doubt voting for President Biden. So um, I'm a little disappointed that there's so much pushback against him because I know he's not perfect. But uh, considering the circumstances, I think he's doing a, a fine job. Clarissa, thank you very much. And call us again from South Carolina. So Meg Kennard from the Associated Press. Uh, interesting little sampling of calls there. I wonder if you were thinking anything in particular during any of them. I mean, particularly on that last call, you know, I, I've heard that and I heard that on Saturday night that this is not a perfect circumstance, but ideally this any candidate and certainly Joe Biden would be better than Donald Trump. That was what some folks have told me along the campaign trail and told me over the weekend. But in South Carolina, too, it's there's no independent registration, but there is no registration by party. And so when the caller was talking about changing to independent that notion of will Democratic or typically folks who vote in the Democratic primary, will they sit out if they don't want to be part of nominating Joe Biden for whatever reason? Will there be people who might opt to vote in the Republican primary? You know, there's just a, a lot of that movement that I think is kind of on the minds of yeah. of people as we head into this. And we can talk more about it in terms of the Republicans, but that certainly seems reflective of some of the things I've been hearing around South Carolina, for sure. And I guess it's probably bad for Nikki Haley in a state like South Carolina, as you were just describing, where people can vote in either. Uh, bad for Nikki Haley that Joe Biden is trying to run up his score on the Democratic side, even though it's not really a competitive primary. We saw in New Hampshire that if Haley did what could be considered at all well, it was because that state also allows independents to vote in either primary, and there was no Democratic primary, really. Uh, in this case, Biden is trying to get a lot of people who support him to turn out for him, and of course they can't vote in both primaries, so that hurts Nikki Haley, no? Potentially. I think that you know, the, these primaries are happening on different days. And so you're right. If you've chosen to participate in the Democratic one, then you're not an option for 
the Republican one when it comes around. There has been a lot of conversation about the potential for Democrats who either don't want to participate in their own primary or just know that Joe Biden is going to win it. And so maybe they would rather go and play in the Republican primary. There's been a lot of conversation and a lot of coverage about all of that. I don't, honestly, from my perspective, I don't see a whole lot of Democrats opting to do that in the ways that some of Nikki Haley's supporters have talked about it potentially helping her in South Carolina in the primary mm-hmm. with Donald Trump. Colleen Condon, who is an officer with the state Democratic Party on Saturday night, stood up and said, hi, I had to sue Nikki Haley when she was governor for the right to get married as a gay woman in South Carolina. Mm. Please do not try to go and, and participate in the primary to give your vote for her if you are a typically Democratic voter right. here. So that's that's obviously anecdotal, but I don't see a whole lot of that happening. Meg Kennard, national politics reporter for the Associated Press based in South Carolina. So informative, Meg. Thank you very much. And thank you for so much time today when I know you're super busy. Thank you. Happy to join. Brian Lehrer, A Daily Politics Podcast, is an excerpt from my live daily radio show, The Brian Lehrer Show, on WNYC Radio, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time, if you want to listen live at WNYC.org. Thanks for listening today. Talk to you next time.